Well, good morning. It's an awesome good morning. You guys are ready to go, man. Graduation this afternoon. We're all pumped up, right? And uh, great to have you here. And uh, we're excited. We're going through a series called Living Proof. Living Proof. And we're walking through the book of Philippians. And uh, we're seeing Paul's challenge to the church at Philippi. Hey, what's it look like to have God's thumbprint on your soul? And Lord, you can have your way with me. Then what should that look like? The book of Philippians. All right. And so we're walking through that living proof. Uh, today, we're going to be looking at a passage, the end of chapter three, which is a clear call to a big word. That word is sanctification. All right. And some of you have heard it and some of you hadn't. And uh, sanctification, what's it mean? It means um, that God is working with me in progress. He's conforming me to his image. It's yes, saved. Now being conformed, perfected along the way. God having his way with me. Sanctification, it's growing in Christ. And that's what we're going to be looking at today. Uh, But I got to tell you, um, if you jump into this passage too quickly and you lose context, uh, we're in big trouble. All right. And so before we start, I want to make sure that we kind of spend a little intro time where we're really going back over last week's passage on salvation. And what does it mean to be saved? And what does it mean to be trusting in him? And let's make sure we get a few words clear. There's a lot of vocabulary that we have in the church. There's a lot of vocabulary we get from scripture and it becomes church ease. You know what I'm talking about? Where we use these little language statements and we're like, oh, amen, amen. And then really in the end, you're like, what is the definition of that word? And uh, so let's make sure we get those down today. All right. So here we go. We're going to start easy and work our way up. First word, uh, sin. Sin. The definition of that word is uh, living for my pleasure and glory, not God's. Living for my pleasure and glory, not God's. That's sin. Uh, We could start listing things here. That would be a big mistake because then we'll list like nine or 19 or 99, however many you put in there. And then once at some point you're like, got those. And uh, that's a big mistake. Uh, Our heart in full alignment with him. Otherwise it's sin. Uh, Going after my pleasure, my glory, not God's. That's a problem. It's called sin. Uh, Repentance. You heard that word before. Uh, It means turning from my sin and running to my God. Repentance. Turning from my sin and running to my God. All right? I'm done with that. and, and And I'm on with you, Lord. And I'm running to you with all I have. Repentance. All right? Now, the next word is a really important one. Grace. Grace. This is God's amazing love and willing sacrificial forgiveness. God's amazing love and uh, willing sacrificial forgiveness. I'm telling you that turning from your sin and running to a God is useless unless there is grace. Right? A God who says, I forgive you. And, and like the prodigal father with his arms open wide, looking to take you into his arms and hold you close and say, that's done. It's behind us. All right. Willing to forgive. That's grace. And he does it based on Jesus Christ and his shed blood on the cross. Without that, we have nothing. With that, we have everything. So sin, repentance, grace, faith. Have you ever tried to describe faith? Uh, 
a lot of ways to go with it, and all of them are somewhat confusing, quite frankly. And so here's a phrase I caught this week that I love. Um, faith. It's a posture of submission, trust, and love. It's a posture of submission, trust, and love. Uh, it is not a prayer I prayed. Everybody hearing that? Faith. It is not a one-time event, a thing I did. It is an ongoing posture of submission and trust and love. Lord, I'm trusting in you and who you are and what you do for me. Faith. Gospel. Gospel. Hey, this is the good news of Jesus Christ. It's the gospel, right? You hear that said all the time. And, and uh, what is the gospel? And uh, so I've done this before, but this makes it maybe the easiest. So we'll do it again. The gospel in four words. Jesus in my place. That's the gospel in four words. That's the good news. Jesus in my place. The gospel in three words. Him for me. Him for me. Uh, the gospel in two words. For those of you who love theology. Substitutionary atonement. We can talk about the spelling later. <laughs> Substitutionary atonement, right? Substitute. Like you replacing what I owe. An atonement, making it good between me and God. And uh, Jesus Christ and his shed blood on the cross, replacing what I owe. And, and without that, nothing. But with that, everything. Uh, Jesus in my place, him for me, substitutionary atonement, gospel in one word, Jesus. Jesus only. Remember we talked about that last week. Not Jesus and, Jesus only. So Jesus in one word. And so when we talk about sharing the gospel, we talk about sharing that we have sin in our lives. We've done our own thing. We've gone our own way. We make it about my pleasure and my glory, sin. That we need to turn to God and run to him, be done with our sin and, and be throwing ourselves at him. That we count on his grace to forgive us of what we owe. Willing love for us. That we actually throw ourselves in using faith. It's submission and a posture of submission that says, you're in charge, Lord, and I'm listening to you. It's an ongoing, long-term, Lord, I'm in this with you. Posture of submission, trust, and love. That's the gospel message. And uh, so the end result, if we do these things, if we have faith in him, if we let him have his way with us, he cleans us up. That's what we talked about last week, right? Life in his righteousness. He clothes us with his righteousness. Look, the game plan is not get clean, then come to Christ. That's a no plan. It doesn't work, all right? You can get cleaner, right? But you're not going to get clean. Have you ever taken one of those baths where when you get out, the, the water is filthy? And then you ask yourself, why do I take baths? That's disgusting. I want to take a shower from now on and get the dirt away from me, right? And uh, I'm telling you, when we try to clean ourselves, there is always more filth coming off. And uh, cleaning yourself up first is not the plan. It's running to your God in his grace. That's the plan, all right? Trusting in him with a submission. And, uh, so then we get to today. So salvation, what is that? What does it mean to be saved? Well, it means that you have that faith that we talked about in him. Salvation, I wrote this down. Uh, it's not completing a ritual. 
It's commencing a relationship. That's salvation. It's not completing a ritual. I prayed a prayer. I raised my hand. I walked down to the front. I threw a stick in the fire, right? None of these are bad things. They all help you to turn your faith into action after it. But I'm telling you, the saving work was the posture of submission that commenced a relationship. Whatever followed was you just saying, and now I begin. It's not a ritual or a moment or a prayer or a, those things are great. But that reflects what already happened as you said, Lord, you're my God. Thank you for being who you are. Saved. So that's salvation. Now we're to sanctification, which is actually what we're talking about today. Sanctification. Uh, this is a lifetime of progress, not perfection. Hear me on that. Uh, there, there should always be progress. We're moving towards him along the way as he... Um, transforms us from one degree of glory to the next as he pours his power on us as he makes us look more like him right i say it this way saved is the moment where he declares you righteous from a justice perspective declares you righteous sanctification is when he says now let's work that out you get it like i'm not righteous but he said i've got that covered on the cross Now let me work with you and let's work that out. Sanctification. Working within the security of our God and his work on us and letting him have his way with us. Sanctification. And then one last word, glorification. That's when we are made perfect. That's the other side. It's not in earth. It's not here. It's either when we pass away and we're immediately with him, purified, perfection. Uh, Or when Christ returns, if we happen to be alive when he returns, in that moment, perfection. And that's glorification. Lord, eventually, we praise your name that you will make us look like you. And in fact, we'll see that in the last couple verses of today's passage. Glorification. That's a lot of definitions, isn't it? Like, wow, I got to understand a lot before I get this thing. And uh, it's kind of important that we walk through these and we get it. Because if we don't grasp it, we very well might be sitting here and saying, No, I think I got it. Uh, I prayed a prayer when I was five. And uh, not much since then, pretty much nothing, but but I did the thing. And uh, please hear me on that. Um, That's not saved. Let's be really careful there. Let's not rest and be comfortable in some event one time that took place. It is a posture before our God of ongoing submission that's saved. And once he's got you, he's got you for life. I'm telling you, there is security in him. We're not re-earning and regaining and re-getting. When we go down, he's beginning to transform us from then on. We're his. All right? Simple question. Uh, are you saved? Have you trusted in Christ as your Savior and said, I'm in a posture of submission? You're my God. Please forgive me and use what you've done on the cross to replace what I owe. You're mine. Thank you for what you've done for me. Lord, I'm ready. Take me. I want to be used for you for life. Posture, ongoing. Not just some prayer that I just worded in the moment, but I'm ready for you to have me for eternity, Lord. Are you there? If not, 
Please make right now the moment. Please make today the day where you say, I'm yours, God, for life. I'm in a posture of submission to you. All right? It's weighty stuff. And it's important. If we get that right, then the next step's a big deal. It'll be easy. God's at work with us. If we try to do this without him, we're muscling it and it's going nowhere. All right? And so today we're looking at sanctification. If you've trusted in Christ as Savior, this next passage is for you. If you have not, you know where your passage is at. We just talked it through. We just talked about some of these details. The passage right before it, verses 1 through 11. Make that commitment to your God today. All right? So sanctified. What's it look like and how do I go after that, Tim? Glad you asked. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. Let's turn there. And uh, we got ushers coming forward. They got Bibles in their hands. So if you need a Bible, uh, just raise your hand and they'll get one to you. We're going to walk verse by verse through this. So you'll want a Bible, all right? Philippians 3, verse 12. Sanctification, what's it look like? First point, uh, give it your all. Forgetting what is behind and straining for what is ahead. Give it your all. Forgetting what is behind and straining for eternity. For eternity. All right? Let me just start in verse 12 here. He says, Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do. And then he goes on. You realize he used the word own there three times. He's like, I want to make this clear. I, I'm not perfect. Uh, and I press on to make it my own. Christ has made me his own. I have not made it my own. You hear it over and over again. What's he saying? Uh, hear me. Not perfect. Everybody just say, not perfect. Yeah, that's where we stand before him. Not perfect. For a lifetime. It's not I obtain it someday this side of heaven. It's the only time it happens is when he purifies and glorifies at the end as I go into heaven with him. All right. And so as we walk this walk, there will be sin and not perfect. In fact, first John says, if we say that we're without sin, we lie and do not the truth. Uh, We will have struggle this side. Paul talks about it as a war going on and the good that he wants to do. He doesn't do it. And that that he didn't want to do. That's what he does. Right. And. And there's things that happen like that, but we can have ongoing victory. We can have progress. And that's what Paul's calling us to today. He's like, please hear me. Don't get it mixed up. He was doing the same thing. Let's get a little definition work. I'm not talking about perfect in one moment, an instant in time. I'm talking about progress. That's sanctification. All right. He says, brothers, I consider that I have uh, not made it my own. I do not consider that true. Uh, But one thing I do know, Christ has made me his own. Where is my security? It's not in my righteousness. It's not in my accomplishing. It's in my God and what he's accomplished for me. It's that God has made me his own. And Jesus Christ calling me home. He's covering me with his righteousness. He's paying for my payment of what I owe for sin on the cross of Calvary. Jesus Christ and his shed blood for me. That's my security. Do you hear Paul saying it? It's not me. It's Christ. It's not me. It's Christ. Just say that with me. It's not me. It's Christ. That's the gospel. 
him for me. All right. And uh, so Paul's made it pretty clear. He gets it out. Uh, now he goes on brothers. Um, do not consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do now, he gives us a couple of ing words. Uh, every time you see an ing word, it's telling you how. Okay. So there's one thing he does. He tells us how first forgetting what lies behind and straining for what lies ahead. Here's what he does. I press on. Okay. I press on. Uh, that's the challenge to move in and press on. And how? Forgetting. Uh, forgetting what lies ahead. I press on. I'm not sure there could be a better definition of sanctification. Uh, forgetting and pressing. You know, uh, Paul is a, an author of Philippians. We read it and we're like, wow, this guy's got his act together. Uh, I can't imagine how uh, talented and skilled that guy is. And uh, let me just read. I'm going to grab here in Acts. Acts chapter 7. Let's just look back at what Paul might be talking about with forgetting. This is Stephen, Acts chapter 7. If you want to turn there, you can. If you want to just listen, you can. Stephen's given a message. In fact, he's preaching a message that had been preached a lot of times before. And uh, he's, not, um, he's not tender. He's direct. All right? This is his message, verse 51 of chapter 7. You stiff-necked people. Encouragement, maybe a little less today. Challenge a little more, right? You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one whom you have now betrayed and murdered. He's talking about Jesus Christ himself. You who received the law is delivered by angels and did not keep it. He's saying, you're guilty before God of mishandling the Messiah, the Christ, the righteous one. Their response, verse 54. Now, when they heard these things, they were enraged and they ground their teeth at him. You ever done that? What are you doing? Try grinding your teeth right now. Just try it. It's hard. That takes work. And you're like, oh, I want to just so. That's where they're at. And uh, their teeth hurt when they were done. Do you know what I'm saying? They ground their teeth, but he, full of the spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, behold, I see the heavens opened and the son of man standing at the right hand of God. They cried out with a loud voice. They stopped their ears. That means they went like this. They plugged their ears like I can't hear anymore. Blasphemy. You're saying you see God himself kill the man. And they stopped their ears and they rushed him. Then they cast him out of the city and they stoned him. Uh, for those of you who don't know what that means, that means picking up rocks the size of your hand, your fist, and chucking these small little boulder-like things at someone, hitting him, bruising him, breaking bones, hitting the face with one goal, kill him. And uh, why? Because they felt that he was blaspheming. The irony, they were actually the ones in blasphemy. And they're killing him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. This is the Apostle Paul years before, about 30 years or so before. And he's standing there with his arms crossed. And people are laying garments at his feet. He's like, I'll watch your clothes. Get him. And he's approving 
of the stoning. In fact, it says right after it, um, Stephen saying, Lord, do not hold this against them. Isn't it amazing how we follow well uh, those that we're actually watching closely? And so he gives Jesus words. Uh, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he said this, he fell asleep. Uh, it's a very kind way of saying the stoning was successful. Uh, he was killed. He went to heaven in that moment. Chapter 8, verse 1. And Saul approved of this execution. You go on through all of chapter 8. We get to chapter 9. It says, chapter 9, verse 1. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus so that if they found any belonging to the way, that was the name that was given to people who said, Jesus Christ is the only way, the way, Paul's all ticked off about it. If I find anyone as a part of the way, like they found it, uh, give me some letters, man, I'll take care of this. And and he wasn't saying, please, uh, what do you want done? He was saying, I'm asking for permission permission to grab, permission to kill, permission to take care of those who stand in opposition to what we stand for. Um, Can I please have permission? Notice he says, uh, for those belonging to the way, men or women. Uh, This boy's bringing it serious. I'm willing to take this even upon women. Let's stone them too. He might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, as he went on his way, he, as he approached Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice say, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Paul says, forgetting what lies behind. Most likely, he's alluding to a lot of things in his mind that he'd love to forget. Most likely, this being some of it, right? Can you imagine? I killed people because they stood for Jesus Christ. What was I thinking? I was murderous. I was assisting others to be that. Oh, I just want to put it behind me and forget it, right? And how much we live in the shame of our past. And he's saying, I'm telling you this. If you want victory, you're going to have to stop living in shame. It's time to set it down and forget laying that down and moving on, forgetting. Uh, That doesn't mean, uh, I'm just not thinking about it anymore. It means manage it correctly, okay? So forgetting, how do I do that? Three steps. First step to forgetting, uh, confession. Lord, please forgive me for this. I'm already trusting in you as, as my savior. You're my king, and yet I walked away. Lord, please forgive me for this. I'm wrong. I confess this is wrong before you. I'm done with it. I now repent, step two. I'm turning away from that. No more. And step three, uh, take every thought captive. I'm telling you, forgetting, it sounds easy. Just forget about it. And then those thoughts just keep rolling back into your head. But I did. But I was. But this is where I went with my life. And uh, some of you sitting here today, are sitting in some pain and some shame that you ought not be carrying. It's time to set it down before your king 
and confess it and let it go and turn and run with him. May your God have his way with your life. Forgetting what lies behind. Forgetting every trip, every failure, every fault. And for some of you, you're like, I can list you nine things that make me sick. And it was before Christ. And praise God, as I came to him, I'm able to say, he paid for that. And, and that's great. And I'm happy for you in that. And confess and get it away, that's good. And some of you are like, but my struggles and falls were after Christ. And I'm telling you, same God, same open arms, same cry, come running to me. It's time to confess it and drop it where you are. It's time to turn and run to your God. No more living in shame. I'm done with that. There is victory, sweet victory in that singular move. Satan keeps more thumbs on by continuing to whisper of past, right? Think of that four-letter word, past. When we hear it in our society, we use it as a negative statement, don't we? Well, as a part of my... Uh, my past, right? It's just a word that means things that happened, but we always tie it to the negative stuff. We think back and lament. It's time to let the shame go and move on. And uh, maybe you're in that moment right here today and today's your day to release it. We're going to be doing some praying at the end. It's time to let it go. Get in your head what keeps haunting you. Lord, I'm letting that go to you today. You're my king and my God. You know, when it says forgetting, it also not just talking about um, what went wrong, but maybe even your victories. You wouldn't believe what I've done well. And uh, all of a sudden we start living in the past like, this is what I did 10 years ago. And I read a statement this week, nostalgia is what kills success in the present. Um, I did so great yesterday. I don't even have to work today. Let me just tell you about yesterday's stories. And, uh, Let's stop living in yesterday. It's like you're running a race. He's about ready to use that term. And he says, straining for what's ahead. It's running a race or hurdles. And you're done with those hurdles. Stop talking about them. Can you imagine this guy? Straining, right? And it's the, the words actually mean like every move. You can see the muscles and the, the tendons as you're just stretching forward. And all of a sudden he stops and he's like, oh, do you see how I jumped that hurdle? And instantly you're like, dude, you're losing the race now. Run, right? The moment we stop and look back, the moment we talk about this wonderful hurdle we crossed without touching a thing and we're so close, it was so efficient how we moved across and I'm just gonna hang on this hurdle and talk for a little bit. Have you met those guys? And you're like, how are you doing in pressing in? Well, I'm just telling you three years ago, bro, should have seen this hurdle I crossed. Woo, right? And uh, be done with that. And maybe you crossed the hurdle and you tripped and you fell flat on your face and your skinned knees, skinned forehead, whatever. And you stand up now and you're looking at yourself and you're like, I can't believe this. I'm skinned up. And you stop running. Run! Right? It's move, man! Stop talking about it and get going. It's time to forget what lies behind and strain for what is ahead. Looking at that end point, longing. Hebrews 12 says really clearly, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of your good faith. And shock that sin which so easily entangles. As my wife and I were talking about this this week, I'm telling you, no greater analogy than this. You start running the race, you're running the hurdles, 
and you're dressed in full winter garb. Parka, you know, the, the winter pants and boots. And as you're running along, you're like, this doesn't work. And you start peeling stuff off and off come the winter pants. And now you're down to just some sweatpants. And then you get down to the track shorts and then comes off the parka and off the sweatshirt. And it, hopefully by the end of our running life, we are streamlined, track efficient, leaning in for our King Jesus Christ. And we're running the race for him. That's what it looks like. Progress. The question every day is, what piece of clothing do you keep on that's actually sin that so easily entangles? And it's time to set it down. Stop looking back, start straining forward, and be done with being clothed inefficiently. Run with all you've got. He says right after that, straining for what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal of the prize. This is a race with an award. Uh, This phrase here was used like a wreath that would be put around your neck, that kind of an award. And the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus, there is no greater reward than this, eternity with him. That's what you're striving for. Lord, I'm longing for you to be glorified. I'm longing for every moment to celebrate you. But here's the deal. I'm living in light of it's with you, right? He just got done saying in verse 11 in the last weeks to know him, to know the power of his resurrection. That's what it looks like. Striving for relationship. When we talk about uh, faith being this idea of a commencing a relationship with him daily, you saying, Lord, what do you want? Lord, where are you moving? God, you're in charge and I'm willing to run this race with you. What do I need to hear that you might be honored? Are you letting God talk with you and communicate with you through his word, through challenge? Him, him. That's what we're looking for. It says, let those of us who are mature think this way. I love this challenge from Paul. He's throwing it down now. Let those of us who are mature, do you think you're mature? You think very highly of yourselves? Then agree with me. That's what he's saying. Then agree with me. And, uh, and God will reveal that also to you if you do not think that way, right? He's like, if you think otherwise, God will reveal that I am right. <laughs> this is the way we need to think. Paul's putting some pretty heavy down. He's teaching us how to run a race. And, uh, Oftentimes the church is a track team that is so distracted, it's amazing. And they're not ready to run a thing. And we're wandering around all over the place. And we're not actually running. Notice what he says next. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Hold true. Uh, It's a phrase that means stay in the lanes. It's like there's white lines and you've been given a lane number. And running outside of those lanes is not part of the game. Run within the lanes. Hold true to what you've attained. They've explained to you where you're at. Now, my goal here, get ready. You're training your track people, right? Your goal is when you hear the gun, you're off. And you press hard. And you're over every hurdle. And don't relish the hurdle you just jumped. Keep focusing ahead. Every moment you think back, it's done. If there's a fall, get up, man. Your job is to run. You are pressing forward within the lanes, hardcore, eyes fixed on him. Press on that your God might be glorified and that you might meet him 
as your king and your ruler. Wow. What an awesome description of sanctification. And how often we find ourselves being the guy who's gotten halfway out on the track and we're turning around and we're like, oh, what was that over there? We come back over. Is that a piece of bubble gum? It's even wrapped up. Unwrap that and eat it. We're sitting there eating bubble gum and there's a dollar bill. That's good for me too. We're walking the wrong way on the track and we're finding what we can find that satisfies me. Leaning forward, Christ first. What do you want done that God might be glorified? That's what it looks like. Sanctified. It's our job if we've trusted him as savior. If we're in that posture of submission, that's what he's calling us to. As Paul would say, trust me, God will tell you the same thing. Here's the deal. There was a race going on a year or two back and uh, Morton cross country state finals. And uh, our, my daughters uh, are at Morton and Megan runs in cross country. And so uh, one of the seniors was running, actually a couple of the seniors, and they were about ready to PR at state. That's nice, right? PR, personal record. So they're about ready to get their best run so far in their running careers and they're getting it at state. And as she's hauling to finish at cross country, and you know, cross country, a little bit uneven, right? You're running over open terrain, 3.1 miles, gets pretty close to the finish, down, falls. Let me tell you, people everywhere are like, come on, get up, go, go, move. Everybody cheering everywhere. What do you think she was feeling inside? As she's hearing people cheering, as she knows she's close to PR, and, and you could have easily gotten up and gone, it's done. It's done. It's done. That is not at all where she was at. With everybody cheering her on and with the crowd screaming and her knowing where she's at, it was up and moving. Don't even brush off. Leaning in hard, lunging across, still PR'd. You hearing me? And what it ends up is, look, in the end, we're going for progress. And there might be falls along the way. Get up. It is time to finish this race for our king pressing on with all we've got that our God might be glorified, that we might actually experience life with him even here and how much more there. Lord, my eyes are fixed on you, the author and perfecter of my good faith. Question, how's your run? How is your run for you? uh, Maybe another question, what shame has you bogged down? you're thinking about yesterday and not about tomorrow. It's time to place that shame at the foot of the cross and call it done. Lord, may you be glorified as we honor you. Look, that's the first step in this whole thing is give it your all. Second step, find a great friend and role model and follow well. Find a great friend and role model and follow well. Notice what he says in verse 17. Brothers, join in imitating me. Are you hearing it? Join in imitating me. Paul's like, I'm trying hard. You follow me. You're going to be doing pretty well. Join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Uh, the goal here is to find people that are running with Christ and watch them run and then run like them and with them. 
All right. And as you're running next to them in the lane and you're watching them, they're ahead. They got it together. They know what they're doing. It's kind of hard to run like someone when they're behind you. Have you ever noticed that? If you're running down the lane, and you're like, how are they running? You got to have like a rear view mirror. Like, how are you going to know? You start turning around and you're watching them. It's taking you the wrong direction. Somebody who's out ahead, who's running it well and laying it on the line and you're learning. You're learning how they're handling struggle. You're learning how they're handling failure. You're learning how they're handling success. You're learning. Join in imitating them. He says, for those who uh, walk like us, because we have a problem. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. I'm telling you guys, don't just watch anybody. Only watch certain ones. There are some running with Christ and there are others who don't care at all. And be careful. Be careful who you're following. He says, I've told you even with tears. This is the only time in the entire New Testament where Paul uses the present tense of I'm crying. This is a very passionate, tender moment as he's like, it breaks my heart. What's Paul talking about these guys for? These are probably not guys in the community who were very worldly. And he's like, let's take them for an example. If he's got tears like this, these are probably people who were strong leaders, uh, very possibly a strong Jewish commitment, not getting it. And they were something to be said of them in leadership and maybe even in the church early on. And Paul somehow now has to say, stop following them. It breaks my heart to say this, but they're not getting it. In fact, they never got it. They claimed they prayed a prayer. I don't know what they claimed. I just made that up. But something's not right. There's not a submissive posture before their God. They're living it for themselves. And he he says, listen, they are enemies of the cross of Christ. Best definition I can give for that. Uh, They live for what Christ died for. Enemies of the cross. They live for what Christ died for. Christ died for the sin within our heart, the selfish pangs, the longing, the physical satisfactions that we take to ourselves and take a shortcut because it's going to be all about me, thank you. And Christ died for that as we stomp on his glory, as we trample him in his perfect perfection. And Christ died for that. To continue to live in that is to make a mockery of our God and to be an enemy of the cross. He's saying their heart isn't with them. Their actions are not with them. They are not saved and they're not acting like they're saved. Enemies of the cross, four marks of an enemy of the cross and he gives them right here. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. They glory in shame with minds set on earthly things. Their end is destruction. Uh, This means hell. Eternity separated from God. Matthew chapter 24. Uh, Eternity not with him. And uh, that's their end because they've chosen their own way and their own glory. And God's wrath gets meted out there. He is willing to have his wrath poured out on Jesus Christ and grace and mercy to be lavished on. But faith is where that depends upon, right? That's what we were just told in the prior section yesterday, or last week. It depends on our faith. And so these guys have no faith. 
They live for themselves. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. Their God is their belly. Now this word belly or stomach or abdomen or whatever, uh, it means you listen to your own appetites and what you hunger for, that's what you go after. Every day is determined like this. I don't know. What do I feel like? I feel like eating. I'm going to eat. I feel like having a temper tantrum. I'm going to have a temper tantrum. I feel like living for myself right now completely and I will draw attention to me. My pride will be lifted up. I feel like, I feel like, I feel like. And so I will live that way. Their God is their belly. This is a metaphor for they live for their own appetites. They're hungry for themselves and their own glory. And uh, what's that look like? It means I do what I want to do just because it feels good. And that might mean attitudes. That might mean actions. That might mean I anesthetize. I can't stand the pain I'm struggling in and I can't figure out how to get the right thinking going and get God's power in my life. And so I get drunk, like crazy drunk. I just drink to have fun. I drink to get it aside. Uh, Look, scripture does not say drinking is wrong, but drunk is wrong. Okay, and if you're drinking and you have other people tripping around you, wrong. I'm not going to go into a long dissertation on drinking, but Romans 14 is clear. Do not cause those around you to stumble. And so be cautious. It is a freedom that if wrongly used can be disastrous and drunkenness can destroy. And, uh, and sex outside of marriage. If you are not married, you are not to be sleeping with anyone. Period. Scripture's clear. How many people are like, uncomfortable talk right now? And uh, let's have it, right? Let's be very careful. God's word is clear that if I live for me, I don't care that you've asked for that, God. And I don't care that you're looking for a different plan. This is now my plan. I decide to live with my fiance and sleep with him or her. I decide to take a girlfriend in every once in a while. And that's what I'm going to do. I'm telling you, God doesn't say don't. God says, don't hurt yourself. Have you heard that? James McDonald phrase. I love it. God doesn't say don't. He says, don't hurt yourself. That's not the plan. Greater glory than that can be had. Greater joy than that can be had. You are taking a shortcut in the moment and you're appeasing an appetite, but I've got better for you. I love you way more than that. Come with me on this. It's going to be difficult. Trust me. Trust me, way better plan than that. Done with the sex outside of marriage. Done with the drunkenness. Done with the wild temper tantrums. Done with. My appetite will not be serviced. My God will be worshipped. That's what he's calling us to. It doesn't get clearer than that. And uh, my request to you is this today. Be careful. You may have just heard a list where you're like, oh, well, if that's the list, then I'm clean. And uh, it's not about five elements. It's about our heart before our God and that being pure. And I'm telling you, it's only pure, the other side of heaven. And so you've got something to work on. And if it's not those five, I'm happy for you. You have something else to work on. And if you need a little help, give us a call. I'm sure we have some things we can find, right? Let's be progressing with our king that he gets the glory. And wherever we are and whatever we need to set down, it's done today. That decision needs to be made right here. 
So I'm not going to talk for a second. What sin are you toying with that needs to be over today? Which is it? Or which ones of them? Lord, I'm done living that life. Lay it at his cross. Remember confession. Forgive me for trampling on your glory. I'm turning to you and I'm running with you with all I've got. And Lord, I press on with my eyes fixed on you, the author and perfecter of my good faith. That's what it looks like to run. These guys, they did not have their act together. Their end is their destruction. Their God is their belly. Their glory is their shame. Have you ever met guys like that? Maybe you have friends like this. It's time to not have these friends. Uh, let me tell you, I, uh, you wouldn't believe how much I drank last night. I could drink you under the table. Uh, you wouldn't believe how many people I've slept with. Uh, drugs, I've tried them all. Right? Where they begin to almost boast in the sin they're a part of. And, and how scary when we use our testimony to glory in our shame. Uh, be careful. And be careful. I have no problem with ministry to people that are hurting. Please do that. Please love them. A difference between ministry and friend. In a friend, you lean on them. In ministry, they lean on you. Do you hear me? This is be careful. Do not make your friends where you're leaning on them. The ones that have these marks. They lean on you. You're reaching out. You're loving on them. I'm good with that. Uh, Be careful. Don't get taken down. All right. Another glory is their shame. Their minds are set on earthly things. Do you think? Right? Completely attached to the physical world. Spiritual has nothing to do with it. And so everything is about how it makes me feel. Everything. Every discussion comes back to how it makes me feel. And what I get out of it. And that is not the end goal. Here on this earth is not the goal. Eternity with our king. And him glorified. He says, but our citizenship is in heaven. I love that statement. Our citizenship. We walk past these words fast, right? He's using something. It's a big play on words here. He's saying, listen, the big deal is, are you a Roman citizen or not? Trust me, we have citizenship people and it's with our God in heaven. And uh, you are on nothing but an adventure, a camping trip. And uh, you're on an RV trip. All right. And as you're traveling around the world and you get out of your RV and you stretch, Uh, you're looking around and you're starting to act like the people around you. Stop it. Those are just people that are visiting and you've got a message to bring to them of your God and his kingdom. Do not let it be marred by this world and its kingdom. Wow. Here's the glory of it. He says, we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. From it, we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Revelation 19, our king is coming back with authority and he will reign for eternity. He will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body and by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. I'm telling you, God will rock your world. He is going to glorify us. He's going to perfect us. But more than that, he's going to get a hold of you depending on who you're following and where you're following. All right? And this is as simple as it gets. Um, hey, it's graduation. And uh, it's been graduation in a lot of ways. Uh, this week, it's graduation for these little tiny birds in the back of our yard. They sit in this patio nest. 
And mom is like, you're done. And so they're now all walking around the patio and mom's out there feeding them every once in a while and trying to teach them and getting them to follow her. And she's teaching them to fly a little bit. And we're watching them and trying to be careful about when we let the dog out. Right. He'd run about four steps. It's not a big deal, but he might scare him a little, you know. And so Teddy gets out there a couple times looking around, smelling, and he comes back in. We're watching these little birds. Here's the deal. Every once in a while, they stop following mom and they go off on their own. And three times this week already, we've had to save them out of the window well, where they go along and down a four foot window well. And then we hear them chirping in there forever. And we go out there finally and try to get them out without touching them. You know, that whole, I don't even know if it's a wives tale or true, but so we're trying not to touch them with human stuff. Everything's human. What do we not touch them with? Right. And you're trying to get them out. And, and then they, so one time she gets them out and the little bird flies all the way down to the back end. And as it lands, kid you not like six blackbirds land around this thing and just start moving in. It was like a gang thing. It was horrific. And John is like, Oh, what do I do? And I just go at him. So she starts walking at him. The birds all fly away. She's like the hero. And uh, these little birds now laying out there with their wings all struck out. And what's the problem? That bird stopped following. And uh, watch who you follow. Be very careful for the plan of I'm going out on my own. And uh, you'll drop in the window wells of life. Do you know what I'm saying? And uh, God does come along and pull us out of those at times, but I'm telling you the consequences can be dastardly. They can really be painful. And be careful about how you live your life. And be careful who you follow. So two questions. First one, who are you following? Who are you following? And that's why we have impact groups. Get in one. Start making friends with people who don't have these marks and they're on fire for Christ. Who are you following? And number two, Uh, who's following you? Dads and moms, you got some eyes on you. And be careful how you live your life. You're leading them to think and act for Christ. Those are huge decisions that we make. So it's giving your all. It's finding a great role model in the last one in four seconds or less. Standing firm in Christ, chapter four, verse one. Have you ever noticed that sometimes chapter breakdowns make no sense? And this is one where they threw it in as a chapter break, and I'm not really sure because it has to do more with closing out the last section than it does the first. Look how it starts. Therefore, thank you, even late in the day, what's the therefore, therefore, right? And uh, my brothers whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. It means don't let yourself be pushed offline. You take your position and you do not move. Hang on. May your God be glorified. I just wrote it this way. We have a God who is so awesome that he's called us to stand in him and not move. We have a God that's given us the power to be changed. We have a God that's given us hope that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Not that I have already obtained or that I am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining for what lies ahead, I press on. That's our call today. Are you ready to be sanctified? Are you ready for your God to be glorified? Are you ready to run the race in the lines, forgetting what lies behind, laying down the shame, struggling for what lies ahead, that your God may have his way with you, that he 
may transform you from the inside out, changed to be like him. One question. Are you ready? Are you ready? Today is the day. Whatever you've been holding on to, lay it down. That your God can have his way with you like never before. There is such satisfaction in it. What sin do you need to let go of? What pride do you need to release? What's it look like now to lean forward? What friend to grab onto? That God might change you in a heartbeat. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, we celebrate you and we worship you. Lord, we thank you for this passage that promises us hope and transformation. And Lord, I just pray for anyone here today who doesn't know you as Savior. Father, right now, may you move. Shape us. And if you're here today and you have not taken a posture of submission before him, do it today. Do it now. Just thank him for who he is and his work on the cross. Maybe you have, and you're like, yeah, but I got this stuff behind me. Then today's the day to confess. What is it that needs to be let go of? Release it now. Whatever the physical that you've been going after, be done with it. Your God and his way with your heart. That's where he's calling you. And now one demand. Press on. Live that salvation out. Let God sanctify you. May he transform you from one degree of glory to the next as you give him your heart right now. My request is this. Just take a second and tell him where you're at right now. Just privately where you're at, just tell him where you are. What you're giving up or what you're going after or what you're confused on. calling out with your arms open wide like the prodigal father and we run to you we're done with the sin and we strive to reach out to you lord help us shuck the sin may we be changed from the inside out how many times we've fallen and we're done with that may you be my god today lord i worship you and now i reflect it in the way i live and think thank you god for who you are it's in your name i pray these things and all of god's people said 